So, hello and welcome to uh, Drunken Science. Hello. Uh, today we're going to be talking about chameleons. What, you mean the Doctor Who companion from the Fifth Doctor? No. No, we're going to talk about the, uh, the silly little animals. Silly little animals. Yes. Okay. Yes, those that can change their skin colour. What, you mean leopards? No, they change their spots. Uh, yes. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I was getting confused there. Yes, they they can look in uh, all directions without moving its head. Owls. No, they move their head. Oh, do they move? Yeah. And they even have a third eye of sorts. Which what, we'll soothsayers? No, chameleons. Oh, okay. uh, we'll, we'll learn about that earlier. Earlier? <laughs> later. This is drunk. <laughs> Welcome to Drunken Time Level, where we learn about things earlier. Ah. <laughs> uh, now, there's apparently about 100 different species of chameleons. Is there? Yeah. Can uh, you name any? There's species one. <laughs> uh, species two. Well, this is going to go better than the crab one. Do you want me to go on? No, please don't. <laughs> yeah, they're probably... Well, that's the end. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're apparently well adapted to living in the trees. They have like, long, thin legs uh, that raise them from the ground. It's a post of legs that lower you to the ground. God. Yes, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have about two or three digits for e for their toes that allow them to grasp branches as opposed to clinging to them with claws. Ah, that's interesting. They also use their tails to grasp on the branches. And some males can have up to three horns. Is that what they're calling it now? Which they can also use in combat. That <laughs> hurt. Anyway. Can I just say at this point, it's a good thing we never do uh, videos. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Anyway, they generally uh, change colour as a visual signal to indicate their mood and aggression. So the humans? Do you change your colour often? If you go red, you're embarrassed. That is correct. But can you change it red? No. Yeah. Um... <laughs> See, that's where you're lacking. If you were a chameleon, you could turn red. But anyway, let's get into how they actually turn colours. Please do. That would be interesting. Yes. <laughs> they actually have uh, several layers of specialised cells in their skin, which they're called chromatophores. Uh, these, these are cells that change colour. The outer layer of their skin is actually transparent, and the layer directly below is one of these chromatophore layers, which is called xanthophores. Why you can say words like that, but when it comes to normal words, you struggle? Uh, because normal words I don't have much practice with. Okay. I don't know. So the xanthophores, yeah? Yeah, they contain the yellow pigment. Do they? Yeah. Beneath that, they have another layer of erythophores. <laughs> is that any relation to Aretha Franklin? <laughs> no. Okay. And they are the red colour. Red, you see, you said that. Yeah. The next one is guanine. You don't know guanine. Guanine. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's something like that. Which you may know as being off of DNA. What's what's DNA called, Gav? What's that's it's that's a sort for? Oh that's a good one. I cannot remember at this stage. Dextrobone nucleic acid. Ah, uh, that's it. But yes, it, it's one of the four components that makes Dextrobonucleic acid. That's the one. I could also say pneumonia, ultramicroscopic, silly, cova, conoconiosis. 
I'm glad you can say that. Which is which is apparently <laughs> a, a disease coal miners get. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's it's. I think it's the longest what, word in what? the English language. I don't know why I can say it. Well, I do. I just taught myself to say it because it's stupid. Mm. There's there's a lot to dispute about what is, it, is, is it? actually the longest word. Well, another one is flocky knocky hillification or something like because that. Because are, are chemical compounds and things like that accepted as an actual word? Yeah. Interestingly, the ger- there, there used to be the longest because word in the German language, and that's not the longest word anymore. It was like a, uh, a committee to discuss beef purification or something like that. And they uh, they disbanded... Only that. in Germany. They, dispa- <laughs> they disbanded that group, so the word doesn't exist anymore. Anyway... Mm. Cytosine. Yes, that is one of the components of DNA, but nothing to do with uh, anything that's in chameleons. Good, I'm glad you brought it up. Yes. Along with, <laughs> along with me bringing up the English and German languages. But yes, the uh, the ganine is uh, blue. Blue. It provides a blue pigment. And the last one that's underneath that is uh, a brown pigment, melanin, which you're all familiar with. I am familiar with. Which contains melanophores. <laughs> And basically, these cells are all wired up. Wild. They're all wired up to the nervous system and also very sensitive. So you shouldn't call them names? No, you shouldn't. So what are they sensitive to? But yes, they are sensitive to uh, chemicals chem- chemicals in the blood also. Alright, so like uh, hemoglobin type thing. Yeah, uh, and basically how it works is that the colours, the the like hidden away inside little sacs inside the cell, and depending on signals from the nervous system and the blood, they sort of contract and expand the cell, and the colour floods out from the little sacs into the cell. Right. And basically, depending on the amount of information and how much the sort of pigment coats the inside of the cell like coating it with paint or something depends on the colours that you see I see and and obviously with all these different pigments and you've got different concentrations you can create a vast array of colours so essentially it's it's a bit of a myth that they actually change their colour to match the background it's they generally do it based on their mood and and things like that. But there there are actually a few species that actually do change their colour to match the background. So it's, so it's only a when, minority of species. Yeah, when confronted by predators. And one particular species, if if they're confronted by birds... They try to look like a brick house. No, they will very, very closely match the colour of their background. Using spectral sort of imaging techniques and stuff, that scientists have dis have found that they will really, really closely match their background. But when a snake, for example, comes up against them, they'll be a bit lazy, and they don't quite match the background quite as much. But they are actually more disguised to a snake than they are to a bird. Mm. And that's mainly due to, basically because snakes don't have as good eyesight as the birds, so they don't have to try that. Birds have better than twenty twenty vision, and snakes are... Oh yeah, birds. Snakes are like... Birds generally have fantastic eyesight, yeah. 
And and they also it also takes into account the the point of view of the predator because birds are looking down from above. Yeah, it's like Google Maps. Mm. But whereas a snake will approach from like either below or level, so they're generally looking up towards the sky. So there's not as much need to match the background, but more of a need to match the sky. So they become like the background, but a bit paler to sort of blend in with the sky. So snakes have it all going on. And snakes are stupid as well. I don't know why they're stupid, but fuck it, snakes. (laughs) (laughs) I want a t-shirt that says, fuck it, snakes. (laughs) Yeah, moving on to their eyes. They uh, they actually have the, their upper and their lower eyelids are joined, uh, just with a tiny hole for the pupil. Oh yeah, so they can see through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and their 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 eyes are they're actually like raised on turrets rather than buried in their head. Mm. So they can actually have three hundred and sixty degree vision around the head and can focus on two different objects at the same time. So they can actually see something behind them. Yes. Whilst looking at something in front of them. They must have some tarts. Yeah. Yeah. What, so, so they, like they, they haven't got guns on them, though. Uh-huh. So uh, their, their yeah. eyes would just go... Like that. Yeah. Really? They would go... Uh, <laughs> really look right behind them. But yeah, they're, they're, at, they're on the side of the heads. That's a good point. Listen to this guy, ladies and gentlemen, for he knows his science. They're not on the front of the red like eyes that just not do a 180 and look just behind him. Just not his evolution. Carry on, go. <laughs> ah. Yes, and they have cone cells in their eyes so they can see colour as well. Well, I think that's good. I think they should mm. see colour. I mean, if they're going to change into different colours, they should at least see what colours they're changing into. That's only fair, I think. Yeah. Yeah, if if they're looking at a potential mate who's changing into all these fancy colours, and they're not going to, they're looking at black and white. She's not doing anything. That's stupid. And for the chameleons, she's she's pulling this funny face, concentrating really hard. What is she? She trying to be shit? And for the chameleons watching in black and white, the female <laughs> is changing from red into green. Is she? <laughs> Yes, and, and they, they also have a third eye. Not like they can see into your soul. Or they actually have a third eye. Well, actually, they uh, well they have a light-sensitive spot on top of the head. So it's not an eye. Which is a precursor to a developed eye. It's still an eye. It, it reacts to light, but it doesn't form an image. Which they basically use to... Or species that have these, they use them to monitor daylight, it regulates the circadian rhythms. So it reacts to light but doesn't form an image. Mm. So like uh, school projectors used to be. Yes. <laughs> but in chameleons, they're, they're actually covered by scales. So, so many scales. Mm-hmm. And lastly, shall we move on to their tongue? Oh yes. Which the French uh, would like that. As we know, they eat insects and they to do this, they project their tongues up to over twice their body length. I know some people would be quite happy with that. Who? Them. Michael Douglas. Would he be quite happy to do that? Sure, why not? To eat insects from twice his body length away? Yeah, he's mm. uh, very into his insects. Well, apparently <laughs> it, <laughs> it takes about 0.07 seconds to uh, film a launching to get to their prey. 
That's why we pray, God. Which? Uh, That's why we pray. This, uh, we have to pray to make it. <laughs> we have to pray that we can survive the 41G that experienced through this launching of the tongue. <laughs> 41G. That's how fast it goes. 41 gravities, that is, for people listening at home. Or on, on their, or on their mm. car, mm. or in space. Who knows, they may be listening in space. Christ knows why. There are better <laughs> things to do in space than listen to us, but there you are. There is nothing better to do in space. There is. You can uh, you can do covers to David Bowie songs, apparently. Ah, oh, and that is better. And look at space. I'll only be happy when someone does a cover do of... space of experiments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> in space. I, I think I have the monopoly on the mm-hmm, cover. Well, yes, anyway, apparently it takes with a force that's more powerful than what the muscle can produce. Interesting. Because they use sort of elastic power built up within sort of the muscles and everything. And as a consequence, as a consequence to using this elastic power, I use a multitude of actions. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> the projection of the the tongue is not affected by temperatures that actually affect muscle usage. So performance of launching the muscles to get the insect is rarely affected. But the retraction, which is just purely on muscle alone, is really hindered by low temperatures. Which is why they don't live in the Antarctic. But it doesn't really matter though. Because once they've got it, once they've launched it and got their thing, <laughs> they can retract it to the lesser. <laughs> and, yeah, the the reason why they can capture their uh, prey is just <clears throat> basically because of the slimy, shitty, crappy shit that they've got on their tongue. Interesting. Yeah. Sort of wet, friction, suction surface and shit like that. Well, readers, I hope you found that interesting. Yes. Super twist. Super twist. <laughs>